0: Welcome to Film Broad see? a podcast for women who want to learn how to write and produce a film they love. If you're a newbie writer or filmmaker or an actress who's tired of auditions for one-dimensional roles, if you're overseeing yet another badly written script from a mediocre white man and you want to do something about it, you're in the right place. Get inspired by the pioneering women of the golden age of Hollywood through to today's changemakers and disruptors with practical how-tos to finally write and produce your damn script already. I'm your host, Emily Grace. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Film Broad, see? This is episode one, and I'm so happy you're here. I'm Emily Grace, and I love everything about the process of making film and television. I'm a Sundance award-winning actress, a writer, producer, filmmaker, a coach, and now podcaster. Through my company, Pickford West Society, I help people create success on their own terms. In my flagship program, The Make Shit Happen Club, you're going to learn how to make shit happen. More specifically, you will learn how to write and produce a short film that you're proud of so you never have to wait for permission to do what you love. So what is film broad, see? I have always been interested in old Hollywood when the movie business was in its early stages and characters would talk like this, hey, what's the matter with you, see? And I'm especially interested in the women who helped build and shape the entertainment industry into what it is today. Before there was a playbook or a formula to follow, this industry was new and exciting and full of possibility. Women had big roles in the industry. They were writers and directors. They were producers. They acted and started production companies. They were disruptors and changemakers wielding their power and influence. The legacy of that influence is still around today. Now, of course, many women from that era were forgotten, or they have never had their due in the first place, which sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? As inspiring and illuminating as these stories are from the past, these women went through the same kind of shit that modern day women in entertainment are going through right now. This podcast is about women in film then and now, as well as the tools you're going to need to empower yourself to create your own projects. My mission is to help women and people whose voices are typically marginalized by the entertainment industry, which, let's be honest, is quite a lot of people, learn how to take control of your success. And the best way to do that is to make your own projects. I am incredibly passionate that every actress should write and produce a short film. Now, you don't have to be an actress to benefit from this podcast. All you need is a desire to create your own films. As an actress myself, I just happen to know the frustrations that actors go through. The feeling of powerlessness, that you need to wait for permission from the industry, that you hope to get picked and pray that you book the job. Oh, what about you should be grateful for every opportunity that comes your way, no matter how low the quality, and you should be willing to do the work for free and tolerate toxic work environments because, quote-unquote, work begets work. Listen, none of that is actually true, and you can do something about it. Powerlessness as an actor is a choice, and this podcast is here to help you make a different choice. So why am I so passionate that every actress should make a short film? It's an act of empowerment, This industry is rife with sexism and misogyny. Women are viewed as having an expiration date. And not that long ago, when I was pounding the pavement primarily as an actress, the going advice from a casting director, a female casting director at that, was identify what's fuckable about you. Really? We're still doing that? As someone who loves to read old Hollywood biographies, I'm also well aware of the toxic foundation that Hollywood is built on. Growing old gracefully is a privilege for men, who are afforded the chance to age like fine wine in their Silver Fox era, whereas women will expire, right? The leading man gets to age naturally, while his on-screen love interest stays in the 25- to 32-year-old age range. Not to mention how many film and TV shows are written, produced, and directed by white men. Many of them are mediocre, not all, but far too many. There are other voices with something to say. Your voice is one of them. And as much as I love high-quality film and television, I don't love the way the industry operates. It has been heartening to see progressive change in the last couple of years, but Hollywood is an institution that can't pivot quickly, right? The pace of that change has been glacial at best. That's why I want to empower you to write and produce your own projects. Short films are absolutely doable with the time and resources you have available to you. They get you to a tangible result faster with less money so you can get your work out there and make an impact. And short projects lead to big opportunities. If you don't audition for the kind of roles that light you up, write it yourself. Some of today's most compelling film and television is created by an actress who was frustrated with limitations imposed on her by the industry. One of my favorite examples of this is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Despite being a funny, witty, compelling, flawed human being, she was a deeply frustrated actress. None of the roles she went out for had any complexity to them at all. Of that time in her career, she says... I was frustrated by how few interesting female roles were available to me as a young actor. They were often damsels in distress or damsels disguised as strong women because they argued with a man or had a singular controversial opinion. I got very bored and very angry and eventually started writing the crazy bitches I wanted to be playing. Does that fire you up? Because that inspires me and gets me fired up. Phoebe Waller-Bridge went on to write a character so perfectly tailored to her strengths, no one but her could possibly play it. You probably already know that her one-woman show Fleabag debuted at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It built such a buzz by word of mouth that the BBC came calling, and eventually it became the hit TV series also called Fleabag. I'm pretty sure... If Phoebe Waller Bridge could take my screenwriting superpower quiz, I'm pretty confident that her results would be the disruptor. Of course, I took my own quiz to see my results. I'm a disruptor too. And if you want to find out if you're a disruptor or you have a different result, you can take that quiz at writeyourshort.com and then let me know what your results are. I'm really curious. Now, what most people don't know about Fleabag is that this project actually started out as a 10 minute piece for a storytelling show. It didn't start out as a one woman play, and she definitely didn't set out to write a TV pilot. The first step that she took was just writing this piece. So here's the quote where she clarifies Flea Bag started out as a challenge from a friend to do a 10 minute slot in her stand up storytelling night, which is where this whole idea came from. Her biggest goal was to create a compelling character for her to play, right? The key here is she got started. She didn't put a ton of pressure on herself to make this big, amazing project that was going to be this widely successful thing. She just got started. This small project led to big opportunities. Since Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has created Killing Eve, She acted in major franchises like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. She wrote on a huge franchise movie, the James Bond franchise. She's executive produced multiple TV series. Oh, and not to mention she landed a $20 million a year development deal with Amazon. She's been on that deal for at least three years and by the way, hasn't produced a single thing. But fuck it, right? Take the check. Development takes time, and she seems like someone who's committed to high-quality work, so get that $20 million a year. Small projects lead to big opportunities. So don't discount the impact your project can have on your career if it's just a short... It's the first step to getting on the map and busting open the doors of opportunity. That's what this podcast is for. If you want to go even deeper with a lot of hands-on support and feedback as you develop and produce your project, then you really belong in my Make Shit Happen Club. When you know how to write and produce a project that you love, about a story that actually matters to you, your confidence goes through the roof. When you take your project on the festival circuit, you gain credibility, you get visibility, you meet like-minded creatives that you can collaborate with, you build connections with people who can hire you. Opportunities that you couldn't have seen before suddenly present themselves when you and your work are out there in the world making a splash and getting known. Not to mention, you become an invaluable addition to every set that you work on because you know what it takes to get a project made. You have a respect for the process. You know how difficult and challenging it becomes. And that makes you an asset for every project that you work on going forward. Suddenly, you have things to talk about in your career. You have things to offer. You get to show up in the industry with your hands full instead of with your hands out, begging for an opportunity that might never come if that's the way you approach your career. You don't have to wait for permission or hope to get picked. You can take your success into your own hands if you choose to do so. You don't have to know what you're doing either. That's what I'm here for. Your story matters, your voice is needed, your work will make an impact on the people you share it with, so let's get after it. This show is sponsored by Write Your Short. If you wanna write and produce a script that you love but you don't know how to get started, go to writeyourshort.com. Don't create in a vacuum or try to figure this out all by yourself. Learn how to write a festival-worthy script you can produce or star in or direct or wear all those hats at once. With WriteYourShort.com, you can get the exact next steps you need to take based on where you're at in the process. No guesswork, self-doubt, or overwhelm. Just a proven process to make the most powerful film possible. That's WriteYourShort.com. And now, back to the show. I've shared one of my modern-day inspirations, Fleabag creator, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Now let's switch gears to talk about old Hollywood. I decided to name my company Pickford West Society. It's a combination of two women from that era, Mary Pickford and Mae West. It stands to reason that episode one should include a shout-out to the first part of that name, Mary Pickford, one of the most influential women of her time, whose impact is part of the foundation of our industry. Originally from Toronto, her family had fallen on hard times after the abandonment and subsequent death of her financially irresponsible and alcoholic father. Mary, who was born Gladys Louise Smith in the 1890s, began her professional acting career and became the family's primary breadwinner at the age of seven. Personally, I would like to see children stay out of Hollywood because it can be such a dark and predatory place for young people, but it's probably not going to happen. Her official birth year is in question because like many an actress, it was in her best interest to lie about her age even at the young age of seven. Her official stage name was suggested by producer David Belasco upon her Broadway debut as a teenager. Her name of Gladys Smith simply would not do for Broadway. She once again told a little white lie, telling Belasco that her middle name was Marie rather than her actual middle name, Louise, which apparently she detested. Just kind of triggering because my mom's middle name is Louise. And I love my mom. So he changed her middle name of Marie to Mary, and then he paired it with her maternal grandfather's name, John Pickford Hennessy, and thus Mary Pickford was born. At that time, theater was considered more reputable than movies, which most people, Mary included, considered cheap entertainment for the ruffians and the downtrodden. The $0.05 price of admission made it much more accessible than the required evening gown and the high price ticket of a night out at the theater. But movies paid well. Tons of content was being made. At that time, movies were like 8- to 10-minute reels, so they were just churning out content all of the time. And Mary's family needed the money. Like, when you're in survival mode, a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do, see? So she bit the bullet and shifted from theater to movies. At that time, it was known as movies, not film, which was a shortened version of moving pictures. Later, with the addition of sound, movies then became talkies, the talking pictures. While Broadway gave Mary some prestige, the pay was shit. If she was going to lower her standards by slumming it in the movies, at least she would be well paid for it. Her first contract, she was offered $5 a day, $3 a week. She negotiated to double that, and she got it. From there, she became the most famous woman in the world, one of the most shrewd and savvy business people in showbiz, and her legacy still remains to this day. Here are just a few of her contributions. She pioneered a new style of acting on film from the popular over-the-top grand gestures that were popular in theater to a much more natural, real-world, subtle style of acting that made audiences love her. Remember, movies were new, and having that kind of connection with a character on screen was a new experience for people that was really powerful at the time. She became the world's first international superstar. She was the original celebrity. When movies first became popular, it was actually the production companies that were known by name. It wasn't the actors. And producers, of course, wanted to keep it that way so that they could pay their actors diddly squat and our recent actors and writer strikes are a prime example of how this way of thinking by producers and studio executives really hasn't changed all that much. They don't want to pay the creatives what they're worth, despite the fact that there would be no entertainment industry without the talent of writers and actors and so many other creatives. But audiences were so connected to Mary's characters, they wanted to know who that actress was. She went from being known as the Biograph Girl to the Girl with the Curls to America's Sweetheart. She was America's first sweetheart to Little Mary. Her celebrity made her an extremely rich and powerful woman. And her celebrity was also kind of to her detriment. She was so beloved for her long curls and the young girls that she tended to play that the public couldn't separate Mary, the woman, from her characters. Remember, film was brand new, right? People got very attached to Mary, like the symbol of Mary, that they just weren't able to separate the difference. They refused to accept her in more mature, complex roles as she got older, which became a really huge problem for her career on screen. When she decided to chop off her curls, it became an international incident. Long before Felicity and Julia Roberts decided to chop their hair off, which also created waves... Mary was the first to create an international incident for a haircut. She moved from studio to studio to garner higher pay, and she was consolidating her power along the way. She was the first Hollywood star to produce her own films. She cared really deeply about quality, and she also wanted creative control of her projects. So she was able to produce her own projects in partnership with a studio, but later she became really disillusioned by it. She was very tired of being used as a pawn by the studio. So at that time, studios would force movie theaters into what was called block booking, meaning a block of films that the movie theater had to buy sight unseen. They didn't even know necessarily what titles they were buying, but they had to buy them if they wanted to be able to buy that super popular money-making Mary Pickford picture. And Mary didn't like that. So she banded together with three friends to begin United Artists. D.W. Griffith, who was the first director who ever hired her for movies, he's the one who gave her that $10 contract. Douglas Fairbanks, who was one of only two actors of the time who was more popular than Mary, he also was her second husband, and his good buddy, the wildly popular actor Charlie Chaplin. Now, Douglas Fairbanks was known as a jealous cheater, and Charlie Chaplin kind of stole his entire little tramp act from forgotten actress Mabel Normand. And of course, his penchant for marrying teenage girls is problematic to say the least, but these are topics for a different podcast. United Artists started as a distribution company for independent producers, which was radical at the time, right? The studios were in charge of everything. They had all of the power. So an independent producer, especially a company started by actors, was incredibly radical at this time. And it's a recognizable brand that's still around today. Now, if Mary could take my screenwriting superpower quiz, her result would also probably be the disruptor, someone who knows exactly what she wants and takes fast action to get it. If you want to find out what your screenwriting superpower is, you can take that quiz, it's free, go to writeyourshort.com. Mary cared really deeply about the quality of her work, and she also cared about her colleagues in the motion picture industry. She never forgot what it was like to grow up extremely poor, and she worked tirelessly to support her less fortunate peers. She was an original founder of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which, in addition to awarding Oscars, is also a world-class film collection and a museum that reflects Mary's high standards of quality and a desire to preserve the medium of film. It's obviously still around today. She was the first vice president of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which is now the Motion Picture and Television Fund. So again, it's still around today, which supports working and retired members of the entertainment community. It gives them a safety net of health and social services, some financial assistance and residential living She and Douglas Fairbanks were the first ever celebrities to put their hand and footprints into cement outside of Grauman's Chinese theater. Of course, this is a practice that's still around today, and that's just scratching the surface of what she accomplished. Sadly, she succumbed to alcoholism and spent her final years as a recluse up in her gorgeous 18-acre Pickfair estate, where she and Douglas Fairbanks once held court as Hollywood royalty. It was raised to the ground in 1990 to make room for a small palace, because that's Hollywood, baby! The sad and quiet end to Mary's incredible life is also one of the reasons why community is so vital to your career as a creative That's why I created this podcast and my company and my program, The Make Shit Happen Club. Because you can write and produce and star in or direct your own projects just like Mary did, just like Phoebe Waller-Bridge did, but you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you shouldn't do it alone or try to figure it out all by yourself, your work will be more powerful with community and feedback. Your mental health will be stronger with supportive people who get you and cheer you on every step of the way, even when you hit the wall and things get hard. In a recent group coaching call from the Make Shit Happen Club, I want to share what one of our members, Andrea, said about the power of the group for her. I now consider myself a writer first, and since joining, I've completed my first script. Woohoo! Yay, Andrea! It's very exciting. The group has been an invaluable part of that process, and my script wouldn't be where it is today without each and every member of the group. I trust everyone in this group and know I can rely on them for feedback I can count on. The people I've met also provide me with a wonderful community that makes such a huge difference in navigating the entertainment industry. This podcast is here to support you on your journey, to go from idea in your head, to finished script, to finished film, to festivals and beyond. Come along with me if you want to empower yourself to take your success into your own hands. Learn how to write and produce stories that light you up and will make an impact on your audience. Give yourself the confidence in yourself and your work and the boldness to put yourself into the rooms where shit happens, projects get made, and you can make your voice heard. So many clients come to me with the question, can I actually write this? Can I really make my own film? Yes, Yes, you absolutely can when you have three things, a process, accountability, and community. If you want those things, you're in the right place. Stay tuned for the rest of this season where we'll dive into all of these topics and more. I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the show, remember to subscribe and even better, leave a five-star review. Ready to finally write your damn script already? Go to writeyourshort.com to get started and connect with me on TikTok at Pickford West Short Film Lab. Your story matters and who better to tell it than you? Stay tuned for the next episode and I'll see you there.